are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live Toaster 360. Joining me is my partner in crime, Steve, Xbox Live, Stevevich. And you are listening to part two of our 2020 Next Gen Predictions, episode 168 today, April 11th, 2020. We are going to actually give a little bit of um, an update as to what it is that we're talking about simply because when we had done the original recording, we had done it last week, but it, it was so long. We had so many different things that we were talking about and, and geeking out over and stuff that we decided to split it up into two parts. So if you haven't listened to the first part, we definitely encourage you to go to episode 167 and be able to start there and then come back to this one here. But it's been interesting over this past week because a couple of new announcements and press releases were made that actually coincide with what it was that we were talking about. So while Steve and I give a little bit of a howdy duty time before we resume where we left off from last week, part of what we're going to be talking about right now is um, those very items themselves. But before we do that, how you doing, Steve? Ah, Russ, happy, uh, happy Easter to you. Happy Easter to you as well, good sir. It actually <laughs> snuck up on me. I know my wife was constantly like just saying here and there about how Easter's coming, Easter's coming, Easter's coming. And then it was literally like, I think it was yesterday where suddenly my head snapped up when I was in the kitchen eating lunch. I'm like, hey, Easter's this weekend. And she's like, yeah, I've been saying that for the last two weeks. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I was wondering why everybody had a a fetish with painting eggs and putting them around the house. Yeah. Actually, um, both <laughs> my uh, wife and daughter have done a really nice job decorating the house for Easter. There's all kinds of festive stuff littered around the house. Perhaps littered is the wrong word, wrong choice of word to use. Distributed, I don't know decorated with something like that. However, I'm hoping that they won't last too long because in my house, as you well know, Steve, decorations tend to kind of stay up well <laughs> past the uh, time that they are uh, supposed to be up. So I'm hoping that it isn't the 4th of July. We still got Easter bunny stuff and <laughs> eggs and who knows what all around the house It'd be like, okay, Take it down. Let's do this. Well, all you would got to do is just like drape their American flag around the Easter Bunny and put like an Uncle Sam top hat on them. And everybody would get what you're doing. Like, ah, yeah, you know, <laughs> time flies. We get it. You just like dress the Easter Bunny then up for like Christmas and stuff. Make them look like Santa or like the Grinch or something. <laughs> or even like for Thanksgiving, instead of a turkey, it's just a rabbit. Like, oh. You know, it's close enough, right? Yeah. Oh, man. So what have you been playing, Steve? What have you been watching? What have you been up playing. to this past week? Well, Russ, um, I will say um, the, what is it? Xbox, uh, what is it? Live, not loud, good grief. What is it called? Xbox, Xbox Loud. <laughs> loud. Um, I'll just say live. Uh, the live membership, they had now have Ace Combat 7 for free. Uh-huh. And I, that was on my Amazon list to get. And I've been watching the price go down and down and down. And it was available on, on this week. And I snapped it up. And I've been playing a little bit of that. And I will say, it's, I mean, it's pretty much the same game as pretty much every Ace Combat ever 
that you know from from Nam- from Namco. It's just like the graphics get better and better, but it's literally the same game. Sure, S- slightly different story, but um, you do the you do pretty much the same thing. So I mean, it is what it is. They they do a, a great job making the landscapes and the and the jets and and whatever. So I mean, I have good time with it, and they, the sound effects also get better, but. Anyhow, um, I've been wanting to, uh, to play that, and I finally picked it up. So that's that's awesome. I can't wait to see what it looks like on uh, on the Series X with the resolution boost. I think that'd be cool because you could definitely tell there's like some like anti-aliasing stuff going on with like some of the straight lines. I'm like, you couldn't do that with this. You couldn't you couldn't iron those out. All right, fine. But um, definitely fun. Definitely fun. Sound effects are good, and uh, having a good time with that one. And I will say. I finished season one of Daredevil and started season two. And mm. season two has begun with a bang. So that is awesome. We're having a great time. Wife loves it. Actually, I came home the other day and she was playing uh, Crash Bandicoot on the Xbox. She loves herself some Crash. I saw but, that. Yeah. I uh, walked in the door and I'm like, she goes, hi, I'm upstairs. I'm like, you're playing Crash. That's hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like it. Anyhow, and then we started uh, season two of Narcos Mexico. We thought, what would, uh, you know, have a romantic night? What better show to watch than some Narcos Mexico? Of course. You know Uplifting, you know. <sighs> so anyhow, we're going to see if we can find something easterly to watch uh, tonight or tomorrow. But uh, otherwise, that's basically been what's going on we're trying to we're trying to fight the the covid calories um because we're sitting around a lot because we can't go out and do anything gym's closed so we're i can I, i'll speak for myself i've gained a few pounds of course um, I've, I've heard a, a new phrase for that called the covid yeah. 15 because everyone gains 15 pounds yeah <laughs> yeah Probably. Good gosh. Uh, I, I, but I, I think I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to let my beard fill out a bit and see, uh, and just just for fun, not for like like trying to impress anybody, but I think I'm going to let it grow out uh, if I can stand the itching and uh, see how it looks. Wait, wait, grow out what now? The beard, Russ. Steve, <laughs> don't grow out the bush. beard. Do not <laughs> grow out the beard. I'm going to ZZ top it. Don't grow out the beard. <laughs> You need to shave all that nonsense off. Trust I'll, me. Trust trust your brother. I'll shave the face, leave the neck. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. That would just be hideous. A ZZ top from the Adam's apple down. <laughs> so gross. Oh man. Okay. So enough of that. What about you? Oh, well, what about me? Let me think here. Well, I had a very busy week, Steve. There was a lot going on with work and I can't talk about it on the program, but I, what I can say is that it has been coming along beautifully and I, I, man, I, the best way to describe it is, you know, a lot of what I do um, is kind of like a, a gathering of what everybody else from the different departments has been working on because I need to do, you know, create my a part of my job as the multimedia lead is, is I have to um, 
produce various videos, whether they be for critiquing um, sessions or uh, for other other purposes. But um, I, I, I say all the time, I feel like I'm a kid on Christmas morning every time because I keep seeing the world that we were making and the assets that we're making and everything. Um, it, they just get better and better and better. And I, I don't know, like I, I'm very excited to see where this thing goes, but when I'm not, uh, doing the, the job, the J O B I started actually, you know, um, Vivian has been wanting to play something else. And so I remembered I, I was looking on Game Pass and I saw they have Disneyland Adventures and we've never taken her to Disneyland. I myself haven't been to Disneyland probably since like 2003 or something like that. It's been a long time. And especially with the COVID-19 ruining everyone's day. And we are definitely not going to be making a trip anytime soon to go. But I remember seeing some pretty decent reviews regarding this game in the sense that the game is a complete remaking of the land that is Disney. Like, like the, the environment artists painstakingly have recreated the park itself in a video game. And so you get to be a kid and you get to run around and you can meet all the different Disney characters and get their autograph in the Disney autograph book. And there's pictures with like the photo album stuff and everything else. Anyway, she loves it. And, um, she's asking all kinds of questions about the park itself and, and how accurate it is and that sort of thing. And so it's, it's a pretty brilliant move, I think for Disney to, to license out the ability to, uh, have this game get made because, I think it probably feeds the excitement of, of Disney fans who have already gone to the park. And so it just makes them want to go back again. And then for folks who haven't been there, they're just so overwhelmed with how awesome and magical and happy this place is that they want to see the real deal. So it works out either way. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and for someone like me, it's like, I, I think I get kind of a nostalgic appreciation response when I play the game, just because the game itself is it's, it's designed for, for little kids. And so I, I don't really get a whole lot out of it, but what I do get out of it is I, it, it's weird. It dusts off the memories of certain areas of the park that I do recall the last time I was there. So I also got in the mail. I don't know if you saw Steve. I, I freaked out a little bit on social media today, but uh final fantasy seven remake actually got delivered to my address today. It was supposed to be delivered on Tuesday and it came a little bit earlier. Mm, well, that's awesome. I think Did you might... see the pictures? No, I didn't. Oh my goodness. I'm going to text you right now. I could have, I figured, oh, he, he'll be on like Insta or Facebook or one of those social media platforms because he always sees what I posts. <laughs> I guess not today. No, 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 but, but that's okay. I, I have not deleted the pictures. I'm going to uh, send them to you as we speak. But I'm looking forward to it. Have you, oh no, well, yeah, you, you can get it uh, as a digital download. Are you going to get it or what? What's your, what's your plan? I think I'm just going to download it, honestly. Not, he's not going to go for a physical copy. Just going to download it, Rosa. Oh, I, 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 to each their own is what I say. But, I, you know, I'm glad I got the physical copy because I feel like there are certain games out there that warrant a physical copy just to be able to have and to hold from this day forward. 
So this was one of those, um, and I got the deluxe edition. So it came with like a little art book, which is pretty cool. I, I quickly flipped through it. I, I'm going to have to look at it um, in earnest when I actually have some time by myself. I'm going to check it out, but it came with a soundtrack. And what's interesting is that they call it a mini soundtrack. And I think it's because, cause it's not a mini disc. I think they include all the songs that have to do with this part of the game itself. And then, you know, I don't even know how many parts they're planning. If they're going to have like three parts or more or whatever, when all is said and done. But I think for each of the deluxe edition, they'll probably have new soundtracks that coincide with just those areas of the world that you're in when it comes to final fantasy seven. But, um, it also came with like a steel case thing and uh, trying to remember if it came with anything else. I think that was kind of the, oh, it had some download uh, codes and content and stuff. I still have to put plug in the, the little codes for, but when are you going to get it for yourself? Mm, probably pretty soon. I got about, um, I don't know, about $5,000 in damages. Well, not damages and repairs. I damages? Yeah, <laughs> not damages. More repairs is more like it. I got to get to my car. So, yeah, credit card's about maxed. About now, right? Yeah, welcome to adulting, there's oh, man. That's the thing when you love your automobile and it starts to die on you. You know, it's either gonna, you gotta pay to have it on life support, you gotta chuck it to the curb and buy something else. It's a hard choice to make, right? Is there any kind of uh, new uh, updates regarding yeah, that there, Steve? My gosh. So, um, yeah, so I brought it back to the dealer because the other place that I brought it to, they're like, yeah, you got a leak and it's misfiring and, um, it's either going to be the ignition, uh, coils or it's going to be the plugs. And I said, well, I just had the plugs done at the dealer, so I'll take it back to the dealer. And so I brought it back and they said, oh, it's definitely not the plugs. It's the coils. And so I said, well, why didn't we, you mention the coils last time we were there, which was literally last month? And they said, oh, well, it was impossible for us to look at it at that time. And I said, oh, don't you have to disassemble the intake and the, the coils are, are literally like right underneath the plug? You just shine a light in there and see them. And they said, well, yeah, but that's, it was impossible for us to do that at the time. And I said, why? And he said, just because it, we, we, we didn't want to look in there. I'm like, well, that kind of puts me in a bad spot because, um, you're my advisor. You're supposed to advise me for stuff I have to get done on the car. So I'm not just stranded on the side of the road and like wondering mm -hmm. what happened to my car. I just paid top dollar to bring it to the dealer. So he said, well, I'm sorry about that, but it's going to be an extra $1,200 to replace the coils. So on top of the, the previous $1,400 I spent for new plugs, new camshaft sensor, and some new gaskets, and on top of the other $1,100 I spent to get a new radiator and the $300 I spent to get new tires. Steve, um, you, by this point, it, it's probably you're spending more than the value of the car itself. I think it's time <laughs> to give a very heartfelt sayonara and go buy yourself a new car. But what am I going to do with this thing, though? Well, that's let's sit in the driveway. I mean, no one's going to buy it. Well, just, I don't know, offload it. <laughs> Donate it to charity. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> it's a museum <laughs> piece. Speakers. I want the speaker. Oh, and the rims. I want the rims. You just have to shell. You know, you could probably sell it at a at a dealer and at least make a little bit of money off of yeah, it. Yeah, right. The thing has to be running. 
<laughs> well, see, what I learned is that even dealers like like they can strip a car for parts and sell the parts individually. And I mean, they, they know how to make a, a buck off of pretty much anything that, that comes across their way. So like, for instance, like what you just said, like, you know, you have rims on there that they could sell. I mean, that's probably going to, you know, fetch them at least what a thousand dollars or something. They're not gonna. They're not in the market to sell rims. They're in the market to sell brand new cars with factory parts. Russ. Okay. Well, yeah. It's just I. I thought perhaps it'd be worth uh, an ask. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh. Anyway, back to me. Back to you. Back to me. I have continued playing Resident Evil Two, Steve. I realized I did not get through as Claire, and so I've been going uh, through the the police department area. I'm at the point of the liquors, if you recall, Steve, getting past the, the little steam area, um, which I think is probably still pretty early on in the game, right? You're just getting to the liquors? Uh, yeah. like I, I, <laughs> Not I, to I, be misunderstood I, with the Lakers. Um, no, no, the liquors. <laughs> It's a, it, I found the, I don't know what you call it. It's like the, the wheel that you plug in and it turns off the hot scalding steam. So I was able to get through there. And then the, the you know, one of the liquors like bursts through the window and it's oh, like right. eating someone from the roof or ceiling right. or whatever. And yeah, so, so that's pretty much where I'm at. But I got to think and I'm thinking, you know, I have never played a Resident Evil game before. This is my first time through, my, my first romp through. And so I've been getting used to everything and I've been having a really good time with it. But I realized that I there's a lot of going back and forth. I don't remember where stuff is and I'm trying to like get my bearings and stuff. Am I only like 30% through the game or what? Mm, yeah, that's that's probably pretty fair. Okay. Well, that's good then because I, I still have a lot more to go through. And uh, um, I do wish you were next to me though. I got to say. Aww. It's one of those types of games where it's it doesn't matter who's playing. It's just fun to have you uh, there. So, I mean, whether I'm I'm watching or I'm the one playing, it doesn't matter. I've also been playing some Mortal Kombat 11. I got through the story of that and uh, continued to just kind of drink in a lot of, of how they approach their stuff. I'm doing this thing, and I mentioned it last week too, where... I'm going back and forth between a lot of the the GDC stuff where you have the, the, the game developers from NetherRealm talking about how they approach different types of uh, graphical challenges and then playing the game itself and watching it again and seeing the final polish and that sort of thing. So that's been pretty fun. It's caused me to, to continue playing Dead or Alive 6, which, by the way, I found out they're, they're no longer supporting, which was kind of a bummer to find out. I guess they have like one more update that they're going to release and then that's it. And it makes me think they'll probably do some sort of like Dead or Alive 6 Ultimate Edition because that's kind of like what they've done with the previous games. But it's kind of disconcerting in a way because they, I think they've only supported Dead or Alive 6 for about 13 months, like just barely over one year. And then they're just not going to release any other DLC stuff for it. Whereas it like Dead or Alive 5, I think they were, they had all, I mean, it was overwhelming looking at the amount of DLC stuff they had. And I think they supported it for like three years at least. So we'll have to see. I mean, I am happy with what they have released for it up to this point. I do wish that they would have uh, continued to make more costumes and skins and maps and level, you know, all the fun stuff. Uh, but 
Uh, we'll just have to we'll have to wait and see. But I also got back into into uh, Injustice Two, which is crazy because when I, when I compare the graphics engines between Mortal Kombat Eleven and Injustice Two, of course both titles are made by Another Realm. It's amazing how much of a jump those games have between themselves, and it honestly it makes me very excited for Injustice Three, which I'm sure they're working on. Um, and they're probably working on it for next-gen consoles. So I'm going to be really, really happy to be able to pick up that particular title, Steve. And that's pretty much all I've been playing. I haven't really been watching any movies. It's mostly just games, games, games. So I'm, I'm pleased as punch. Pretty much the opposite of what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it, it makes for an interesting uh, listening time. You know what I mean? Like people yeah. who want to listen to movies, they got movies. You want to listen to games, you got games. There you go. So before we go back to resuming um, the the part two of the whole topic of the day thing, let's actually talk a bit about what has transpired. So I think in this particular part, we we do talk about what our predictions are going to be for the controllers, and we'll um, just let our our past selves continue to talk about that. But I did want to talk about the the release of the PS5 controller. Um, they they came out with a, a handful of pictures earlier this week. And I know you and I talked very briefly via text, I think, about um, what we thought and that sort of thing. But go ahead, Steve. I'd, I'd like to hear, now, now that you've had a few days to kind of digest it, what do you think? Well, I think I'm going to grease it up with my sweaty palms. Um, you were saying though that it, it reminded you of the Xbox controller. I don't know if I really see it all that much. I mean, I, it does look a bit bulky, um, like bulkier, but I don't know if I, if I see the Xbox controller in it. It definitely, it definitely looks spacey, but it still does remind me of the, the PlayStation controller, just, just bulkier. Have you seen, um, the multiple angles of the new controller. Cause they, they released ones where like you could see kind of the backside where the triggers are located and the right. side and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it looked to me anyway, it looks pretty close to like the contours of the Xbox one controller. Well, I'm glad you, uh, you see that Russ. I just don't see it on my end. I just see it as a bulky PlayStation. It still has the shape of the PlayStation controller. Uh, huh? <clears throat> I'm actually going to, I'm going to send, you know, I, I'm a man of, of texting you pictures tonight, Steve. And, uh, did you get the other pictures by the way? I did. The, the box came in really clear. It, oh, did. Good. <laughs> I'm glad. Uh, it, it's a pretty box, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you wish you have a physical copy now, Steve? No. <laughs> <laughs> well then, it was worth a shot. Uh, let me see here. I just took a, uh, a picture here, Steve, and I'm trying to find it. The, you know, one of the things about doing a screen grab is it's, it's a little difficult to know which one, uh, is the right one on the screen. And, uh, so bear with me here for just a second. I, it's a picture though, that shows the, um, all the, 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 the PlayStation controllers kind of side by side. I don't even know where the heck did this thing go? I, now I'm just confused, Steve. I'm not dazed, but just confused. I like took a picture and I don't know where it went. No idea. 
But anyway, I can describe it to you. It's so weird that I did that, though. When it comes to the controller, like I have it in front of me here, the original PlayStation controller was actually pretty narrow in the middle. And the, the, the handles on the sides, they were a bit more pronounced. And it's interesting how the, the PS2 controller was more or less the same as the PS1, except it was black. And then the PS3 controller is when you start to see more of a thickening going, happening around the middle. And then the, the PS4, definitely, if you look at the PS4, um, the, the middle is thicker. The, the handles on the sides are not as pr prolonged. Like they're, they're a bit, I feel like, more compact. And so it's interesting to look at the PS5 because now it's like, wow, like, like the, the middle is really thick. I mean, it, like, and that's what I'm saying is like, it, it looks like very similar. That, that was my first reaction really when I saw it was I was like, this looks very close to an Xbox controller, which I'm excited about. I'm glad that they have decided to go that way be just because that was one of the complaints I had, but you just don't see it, huh? I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it does look bulkier. I'll give you that, but um, I just don't see the Xbox in it. You know what I mean? Interesting, Steve. Interessante. Well, anyway, uh, now the PS5 itself. So what I thought was interesting when they released this controller is that you had this big interaction with the, the gaming community. And more specifically, it has to do with the amount of people who had fun actually updating the colors and the patterns and the design of the PS5 controller. Did you see all that? I did not know. Well, when you get a chance, I would suggest that you, that you check it out because if you go like on, I don't know, like IGN or Twitter, or, it really doesn't matter. You just do a search for it. And it's been really cool to see just how many people have created all kinds of different designs, which if I'm Sony, I'm really happy about the, how the, the, the pictures have been received because not only are people talking about it and, and it seems to be pretty positive across the board. I haven't really seen anybody say negative things about the controller, but also too, it, you know, if you're motivated enough as a fan to actually like take the time to, to whip up something and there's been all kinds of different type, types of approaches to this. I think that's a, that's a win, uh, certainly for Sony. And I think in terms of the, the features of the controller, they're, they're updating the dual shock. They're no longer calling it the dual shock. In fact, I think it's going to be more of a, uh, what is it? A taptronic or something yeah, like that. Right. It's like a, yeah, like a taptic feedback sort of thing. Taptic. Yeah. I think that's what it is. So um, now are you familiar with the differences between like, like what a taptic setup is capable of versus like a, you know, the more of the traditional dual shock? Uh, I mean, I could, I could, yes and no. So, I mean, I'm, when I like the, my iPhone six and um, some of the Alpine stuff that I used to sell in the car stereo days, it, it's basically like a, a quicker, not as deep of a uh, a rumble as the shock is, but it, it lets you know that you that it recognizes you're you're giving it a command. So, like if um, like on an, on an Alpine touchscreen, like you would you would touch the screen, and 
it would it would vibrate real quick on like just the, the area of your of your fingertip that you touch the screen on the whole mm. thing then go blah, you know and and rumble in your dashboard but just that little spot went blah, real quick same kind of thing with the phone like if you are are touching a spot on the phone on the screen but you give it a little more of a push to bring up the menu of of that application or that command and the phone really quickly just buzzes at you it's mm-hmm. um it's just something really small and quick that lets you know that it knows what you're trying to do um, versus you just kind of waiting around like, okay, I'm trying to give it a command. Why is it not doing anything? Or, you know, the whole rumble pack, I mean, it, it rumbles in your hand, but it, it, but those are created by little wheels inside of the controller that, that spin that create that rumble in your palms. Oh, versus, interesting. I didn't know yeah, that. Right. And so the taptic feedback... Um, it's much quicker and 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 softer, but it doesn't take that much time to spool up and, and shake the controller. Like you know, if there's if there's games where like the ground is going to shake or a big monster comes out, you can put your controller on the floor, and that whole thing will rumble and kind of travel about the floor uh, <laughs> because of all the weight that's being dispersed with the little rumble packs. Versus taptic feedback, you would just feel it in your hand or your fingertip, but it wouldn't be enough to actually move the controller, not even close. Interesting, huh? Now I do, you know, it's interesting you, you talk about, and actually I've heard it from other friends who have mentioned that the the white um, shade that they're they're using in these pictures, people are concerned that it'll show lots of grease spots and dirtiness and that sort of thing. For me, I actually really like it. I think it's cool looking. I understand that, yeah, if you're going to have something that has more of a, a white or a um, cream or light gray color that, yeah, you tend to see a little more, bit more of the the grossness that has accumulating uh, or accumulated over the, the, the multiple play sessions. But um, I think it's really cool. I, I really like the, the thin blue lights along the, the edges of the middle. And I like the, the dual tone of the black at the bottom and then the white toward around the, the top. And um, I honestly, honestly, I think that, that they'll probably have a variety of different colors to choose from. Don't you think, don't you think of like, if you were to, walk into a GameStop or wherever that, that's selling the, the, the games and the consoles and whatnot, they'll probably have like different types of colors to choose from. Yeah, I would imagine they'd have different types of colors. But I think what you'll see though too is, um, like I, I, I saw more of this happen on the internet. I actually worked with a guy who did this where you'll see real custom controllers start to come out because with if you have a controller that's real, kind of just a blanket color, uh, you kind of want to, it to be different than someone else's controller in a way. And, and, you know, this is 2020. So customization is big. And, um, I would, I would think that even if you got a, um, a controller with one color on it, you, or even just your, your base controller, whatever it might be, I think you might start seeing people, um, that would modify the controllers, uh, for you putting extra lights or different designs or, um, maybe some vinyls or something on the controller. That's what I think you might start seeing. Hmm. I think, I think you're, you're onto something. You know, one of the other um, articles that came out this week too, was the fact that um, Google announced that their stadium platform is now free instead of having to pay money for it. Um, they have some sort of deal where you can in fact get set up with stadia and not have to pay. I think it was, what were they charging? 130 bucks or something like that for the controller and for the little uh, dongle that you put on your TV. Yeah. Something around there. 130, 150 around there, yeah. Well, I think it's very telling, especially based on a lot of what you, Nick, and I were talking about over the last week and this week, 
with how this has been impacting Google in terms of what they're going to do moving forward. And so I, I'm, I'm still, I'm still curious to see how, how they, they navigate these waters and survive. What do you think, Steve? I think it's going to go away. <laughs> I think, I think it was, I mean, even if they offered it at free, I don't think it's, uh, I, I, I kind of think no one really cared. I mean, the news came out like, hey, it's free. And everyone went, okay, awesome. I'll go back to my PlayStation and Xbox. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the re- the response, which if I'm, I mean, I guess it's to be more specific, it's Alphabet now, not Google. But if I'm Alphabet, I'm a, I've got to be a little worried because there's just not an interest for their platform. <coughs> Excuse me. A little bit of the old sneezeroo. Well, anyway... I say let's go ahead and stop our big yappers and allow for part two to commence. There is a lot of various things that we cover that you're not going to want to miss. And I think there's there's a lot of pretty insightful predictions in terms of what we can, can expect over the this um, next, I would say, six to eight months or so. So let's give it a listen. So pivoting um, away briefly from Xbox and PlayStation, how will Google Stadia fare during this time? Nicholas. <laughs> I already think that it's not faring very well. They they made a lot of claims about what they thought that that thing was going to be able to do with their sort of preemptive you know, button press technology and all these things that they were going to have to supposedly help against latency. And just as I figured... Latency is, will, and always will be the issue until internet speeds are something far greater than what we're at now and server capacity and server speeds are better. Um, Unfortunately, I I think that it's, I don't think it's going to survive. I really don't. I think it was a novel idea. I think that they're on the right track as far as like games as a service. I think at some point in the future, we will see that. But I just don't know if the infrastructure is there to truly support it in, in a way where it's going to give the gamer, which most gamers, casuals aside, are pretty demanding of what they expect out of their their machines, whether it's you're talking frame rate or latency, ping, you name it. Um, people want fast, clean, smooth. And until something that can stream and offer the same kind of smoothness and quality that you know your high-end pc or high-end console can give i just don't see how it can really make it and i think these Mm -hmm. consoles are probably going to kill it steve i would have to agree i think stadia is done for i think it was done before it even came out to play honestly (laughs) i i I think i predicted it's doom before it was released but um, I mean, uh, no, it's not the talk of the town anymore. Uh, I, you see plenty of advertisements like, like they really wanted to, to succeed, and I'm sure they do, but um, I, I don't know. I, I don't see them doing much more with it. I, they, what they might do is plan a actual console system because they might end up saving money with it. And I mean, the whole thing is, is to sell and to make money. And if they're not making money, but they want to dabble in that market, the only way to do that is to play by the, the same rules that everyone else is playing by. Uh, so I don't know. They might just say, ah, we tried it and we failed and we'll just continue to do what we have been successful at. But they might go, you know what? There's still a lot of money in here and we want to do it. So 
how about we take a different angle and they might create their own little system, but who knows? But as far as Stadia, um, I think it's gone by. Yeah. And just to segue off of what you just said, when it comes to their platform, it intrigued me because Google, as we all know, is a ginormous company. And Mm -hmm. when they were first talking about how they were wanting to get into video games, um, it totally made sense in terms of how Sony has gotten into the gaming world. Microsoft's gotten into the gaming world. Even Apple has dabbled here and there with trying to make a gaming system, but um, their their previous attempts were, were failures. And so looking at Google coming in, um, I think that I was curious to see like how this stuff was going to play out. But I think that there are some key issues with... Um, like just, just how their platform is perceived. I think first of all, their marketing campaign was absolute crap. I think that, that when they released this thing, um, I remember seeing the commercials for it and it wasn't fun. It wasn't hip. It didn't excite me. And you could tell that there was a tone deafness that was there with the company of Google in the sense it's like, no, like the gaming industry is a very different animal from what you are used to as like an internet provider or a, um, a hardware provider, whatever it is that, that you're working on that has more of a corporate type of, of wrapper around it. And I also think too, when they released, they had no first party exclusives and as everyone knows who plays video games, that is part of the secret sauce recipe of having a, a successful launch is you have to, it is vital that you have certain titles that no other platform will have that demonstrates the, the potential of your hardware as well as the persona of what your platform is about. And they didn't have either one of those in their release. And so I think that while there are certain folks who have gotten themselves a Google Stadia, and I'm sure that the the server platform itself works out um, pretty stable because it is Google after all. Um, I predict that I think Google Stadia will, it may appeal to a certain PC audience, but I think they're going to struggle with surviving, honestly. And I think that what will happen eventually is Google will, will probably lend its services. They'll probably retreat from being a video game platform competitor. And instead, they'll probably try to partner with Microsoft and or Sony in terms of, of being able to use like their server space that they had created for the Stadia platform. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, the concept is is interesting, right? You know, play your games wherever, you know, and the, the whole idea of the Stadia kind of acting as a middleman between you and your game library is, is certainly a, a novel one. And from what I understand, I do know one person that has it. And, and for single player experiences, it works great. It, it works perfectly fine. It's just if you're trying to get into competitive, you're trying to play Overwatch or Call of Duty or something along those lines, you're definitely, if you're a top tier person going up against other top tier people, you're going to notice that you're going to have some issues where you feel like you're p- pressing the trigger and they're not dying and you are. Um, but I mean, the con- yeah, I think the concept's great. I think that you will see whether it ends up, like you said, going and being bought or integrating with, you know, PlayStation, Xbox or something like that. I don't know. But um, I think you'll see people at least taking what they've done and trying to perfect it. I would not be surprised mm-hmm. to see that because everybody wants accessibility, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, and actually, um, going back to the game thing, the next um, question I have for you guys is who will have the better games at launch and how many games do you think will be available for PS5 and Xbox Series X? Nick! Oh, I've been dying to get to this question. I was hoping you'd ask this. I was hoping you'd ask <laughs> something about the games. So, as we know, um, Microsoft has purchased a lot of studios recently, correct? We all agree there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots, lots oh, of new studios. Yeah. With the idea being to get <gasps> back to being more of a robust first-party portfolio for Xbox fans. And I think that they did that at just the right time as they were coming into a new console cycle. And I think that's going to lead to a lot of really cool new things as well as obviously established titles like Halo Infinite. And I'm sure the next Gears of War will be pretty impressive on the new system as well. Um, I will say it's the one thing that the PlayStation's been able to hold its hat on this last generation has been its first party title development. They're just, I hate to say it, far and away the superior system in that regard. Um, So I don't know if we're going to, if it, I don't know if we've had enough time with these new studios coming to Xbox to see Xbox close that gap a ton. I will, I do think that that's going to get closer, but, um, it's hard to imagine that they're quite on par with PlayStation when it comes to first party titles. So I think Mm -hmm. that you're probably still going to give that edge to PlayStation, I'd say right now, but we're talking about games at launch. Now, the PlayStation's going to have a very small part of its library for the PlayStation 4 only backwards compatible. You're walking into that next Xbox with every game you own right now, every game on Game Pass, every backwards compatible game they've got from original Xbox to the 360 to now being available to you day one. That is a huge thing. And if there's anything that the Xbox should be touting, it is that backwards compatibility. They should be hanging their hat on that. They should be trumping that everywhere in order to get sales because you've got a massive library of games to choose from. And they're also putting in the ability to take all those games and increase the resolution. Now, granted, I mean, an Xbox, original Xbox game is not going to look like Halo Infinite, but it's going to look a lot better than you're going to remember it when you played it on your original big old black giant Xbox. And I think that that's a humongous feather in their cap when these games launch, or pardon me, not the games, but when the consoles launch. So the question will be, do you want your entire library on one, one machine available to you? And for a very small subscription fee, be able to play those games both on your PC or your Xbox? Or do you want to go the PlayStation route, bank on their first party, t- first party titles, whichever ones are available at launch, and that they're slowly integrating backwards compatibility with a plan to expand it? Because they are talking about, yes, this is all we're going to have. The plan is to expand beyond. But initially, their library is going to be much more limited. So for me, I, I'd say in that regard, for me anyway, the Xbox definitely wins that part of the argument for me just because of that accessibility. And how, if you had to make a prediction, how many games do you think Sony will have and, and Microsoft will have at launch? You mean new first party stuff or just in yeah, general like just brand new, new games. games, just brand new games that, that are, are that they're going to tout as uh, being available on launch day. You know, it's kind of a ordinarily, I'd say probably 20 to 30, because that tends to be about what it is between third party and first party. When a when a new system comes out, they tend to have somewhere in that basically like 15 to 30 games. 
But this generation's a little different. I mean, you've got games like uh, Cyberpunk, right? That technically is a this generation game, but also is going to have an optimized version that's for the Series X and the the PlayStation 5, as far as I know. So there could be a lot more if you you consider the the optimized games that are going to come out right before the release of the new systems as part of that launch. So well, let's simplify the the question. Let's simplify the question to just um, games that we have not heard about yet. Hmm. Then I'd say it's probably going to be right in the park of what they usually are. And I'd say uh, if I, I'll, I'll do conservative guess and say between 10 and 20. Okay. Steve. I would have to say, I think PlayStation's going to have more games. Um, I think Nick is, is right with the, the backwards compatibility. I think Microsoft might use that to their advantage and say, well, we don't have to have as many games at launch because so many people are going to be wanting to play their entire library and see how it looks with uh, the advanced hardware that we're that we're bringing out, um, and I think Sony's had more games, like more better. No, that, that's not, I can't say that. That's bad. That's bad uh, diction. Um, I would. <laughs> I would have to say. Good games. <laughs> I would have to say higher end titles at launch than Microsoft has had. That being said, I mean they are coming out with uh, with Halo Infinite, which uh, is going to be well, looks amazing. That might you know, but. Bungie's not doing it. It's, 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 I don't think it's going to be the same as the, as Halo 1. But um, anyhow, I would say Microsoft will have about maybe 13 games available at launch and Sony will have closer to 20. Uh, I don't know if how... I mean, in the past, launch titles have never really been that great. Uh, there's like one or two games that are awesome and then the rest are like, why would you decide to release this? at launch is beyond me. So, I mean, my hopes are kind of down for as far as, uh, as far as a, a, a ton of really good games at launch. Um, that being said though, I mean, I'm, I'm right in line with seeing how my games play on the next box because I haven't played through new game plus on the Witcher and I've been dying to do that, but I've held off buying a Xbox one X uh, to see the graphics improvement. Cause I want, I've been saving my money for the, this, upcoming system that I knew was coming out, which will play the game even better. That plus Forza plus, you know, Red Dead Redemption, mm. I'm going to play through again. Um, I mean, there, I want to see how everything I own now looks on the next system. So I'm I'm definitely would be more forgiving in that sense where, okay, there's no real good games at launch. That's fine. I got a lot to hold me over uh, to see how it looks on, on this next system. I want to play the entire game all the way through of a lot of my titles that I already have. So... That being said, I think Microsoft will release less uh, good titles at launch. I think Sony will have more. I tell you, it's uncanny uh, how much we are in agreement with all of this because I have it written down too. I think Sony will have the better games at launch. Mm-hmm. And I think also that Sony will have more games at launch. I think if I had to guess, I think Microsoft will, if I, well, not guess, allow me to. <clears throat> I'm going to erase that with uh, the eraser. <laughs> if I had to predict uh, how many games they were going to have at launch, I think that Microsoft will probably have between three to five first party exclusives. And I think that there will probably be another five third party titles. Um, so like the, 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 the total amount will probably be around 10 
launch titles, maybe 15. I'm going to say 10 to 15 for Microsoft. I think for Sony, it's going to be higher. I think it's probably going to be 15 to 20. That's probably going to be kind of in, in the range. And I think it's interesting, too, how Sony has been keeping a lot of their, their stuff um, very close to the chest, whereas Microsoft's strategy has been... Uh, to be a, a bit more transparent, honestly, they, they've they've been pretty pragmatic and methodical about how they are are being um, very purposeful in dropping j- just these these nuggets of details, whether it's at the video game awards or they're allowing Phil Spencer to to have these very long podcast recordings with IGN, where they, they have these video conference calls. They're just the accessibility of it, I think has been a noticeable shift in the strategy for Microsoft. But I think all of that is not going to um, point toward them having like a bunch of, of first party or brand new games that are going to be exclusive for launch. Also, I think it's worth noting, I was reading somewhere about how there was a, a survey that was um, conducted at not this year's GDC because it was canceled, but last year's GDC and the developers, I think there was probably around 37 or 38% that said that they were going to be developing for the, the PlayStation 5. And I think it was around 26 or 27% said that they were going to be uh, developing something for the Xbox Series X. I could totally be off on those numbers, but I do know that there was a, a significantly higher percentage of developers that were talking about PlayStation. Well, it makes sense. I mean, the PlayStation market, I mean... I don't know that Xbox will ever truly beat PlayStation in total sales because of how popular the PlayStation is in, you know, Japan and the Asian market um, because of they make the games that they like. Right. And you've seen Xbox adopt more of those and, and work more with those studios, but they still can't hold a candle to the kind of catalog that PlayStation has available um, that appeals, yeah. especially to the Japanese market. And so I think that's always going to be a a, feather in their cap, unless something just drastically changes that I'm not seeing happen. Um, I think you're always going to see that they're going to have a little bit better third-party support, I think, than Microsoft. Yeah, and I think that this this particular next-gen console wars is going to be interesting. I don't know. I'm curious to see how the relationships will work because – I remember when the Xbox 360 was released and if you recall, Microsoft was on this huge PR campaign to, to get various large third party publishers to come on board. Like EA was one of them. If you, if you remember, um, they had this, this big moment where, and I don't know who the head honcho was at Xbox at the time, but during their, their press briefing, they had, the, the CEO of EA Games come on stage and announce a, a partnership with Microsoft to start publishing on the Xbox platform. And it was just so funny because here you have these two like behemoths on stage and you can totally tell that like their egos were just trying to one up each other that they even had like, I don't know, some kind of trash talking on stage that I've, I as a gamer was kind of like, I felt kind of uncomfortable and awkward because it's <clears> like... <throat> It's like these two guys who are just, you know, like like vying for the top spot, despite the fact that one's a hardware platform and the other one's a software developer. I don't know. It was just weird. But also, too, in the Xbox 360, the Xbox 360 actually um, had a much more successful life cycle than the PS3. That was one of the, the learning lessons that Sony had to really swallow and come back 
um, with a vengeance on, which was in the shape of the, of the PS4. And I think that, um, what the heck was, <laughs> I heard something that was some that kind was of indigestion. A, was supposed to be a swallow, a loud swallow. Uh, <laughs> I was like, what? Sounds like someone's intestines. Um, <laughs> But uh, but anyway, it was interesting in the sense that that the Xbox 360 was far and away um, viewed as the winner in that particular life cycle. And then when the Sony came back with its PS4, they were very lean, mean, hungry. And you can tell even with like their ability to, to rapidly pivot. If you recall when the other thing that, that Microsoft botched uh, at the 2013 console review of their um, or reveal, excuse me, of the Xbox one. Remember they had some sort of funky, I can't even remember what they called it, but it was like, you could, like they were trying to do away with like letting their their uh, customers actually um, send out like their games to their friends. Like if right. I wanted to let like one of you borrow one of my my games on disc, they, they wouldn't allow it. And then literally like the next day, Sony had this, this ad that they put together where it showed the president of Sony and the president of PlayStation. And they're like, here's how we do it at Sony. And one of them's holding a disc and they turn to each other. And the guy who has a disc hands uh, his buddy, the disc and they turn back toward the camera and they just smile. And it was brilliant. It was just like, Oh my gosh. Like that, well, that's because they wanted to go that, all digital. Remember, that was the thing. They were going to have a driveless Xbox. But I think, but there was there was some sort of policy thing in place there. I, I I'm a bit fuzzy on the details, and I remember like their description of it was really convoluted and confusing, yeah. and and like they wanted total control over like right. your ability to let a friend borrow a game, and that was like a such a pastime uh, for gamers going way back to like the Atari days where like, yeah, if, if I buy a game, I, I don't want to have big brother looking over me saying, Nope, you can only let uh maybe sort of like, like they had some kind of little thing in there. were like, well, you can let one person borrow it. And you're like, no, I want co- total control over who I let borrow my game for as long as they want to play it period. And it was funny because Microsoft had to do some uh, major oh, so backpedaling with their tech. Oh, oh my, my goodness. I mean, they, they really did a, a pretty horrible job with their, their rollout of the Xbox one back in the day. It was, I remember we were all talking about it and we were all just like, what are they thinking? What are they doing? And Sony, I mean, <laughs> they handed insane. like a, <laughs> they, they handed the, the, the console wars on a, on a golden platter to Sony going, Oh yeah, here you go. Take it and run with it. And, and you can tell the numbers don't lie. Uh, but having said that, though, they they did learn from their mistakes. I have to hand it to Microsoft. They do uh, probably these epic postmortem meetings. And as a result, they've been able to, to um, fix a lot of stuff. So anyway, oh, yeah. not to digress too far. But um, another question I have is uh, which next prediction, which system form factor do you think will be cooler, Nick? Uh, form factor? Uh, I'm going to say probably the PlayStation. Uh, the PlayStation, generally speaking, they've always had kind of a cool a cool form factor. We have no nothing to base it on because they have not released any pictures of what their final machine is going to look like. And I've heard also rumors on in this course, it's all rumors, speculation, is that they're having a hard time figuring out how to keep their machine cool enough because of all the stuff going on inside there generates a lot of heat. So they may still be in the process of 
finalizing what their final form will be. You know, they're still just Voltron cats right now. They haven't formed into Voltron. But uh, yes. I, I'm going to give the I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because right now, literally, the Xbox One Series X is a it's it's a it's a block. <laughs> Essentially, it looks like a little mini <laughs> computer tower. It's not exactly super appealing. Does that matter to me a lot as a gamer? No, not really. The only thing that matters to me is that, as we talked about at the beginning, I travel a lot for work and I bring my Xbox with me in my games Vanguard case. And that big old thing ain't going to fit in there. So now I'm going to have to hork that thing around separately from my you know portable monitor, essentially, for my business trips. I'm not terribly enthused about that side of it, but yeah. Whatever. It's more power. If it makes you feel any better, the the scale of the Xbox uh, Series X apparently is just slightly bigger than a banana. In terms of of height. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But it's fat, though. It's like me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got lots of power in your son. And that is true. That's true. And I've been losing the weight, but yeah, it's I'm still a big boy, and it's still a big boy too. But that's the thing when you got that kind of power. I mean, these things are. If you compare them to a PC right now with what they've got inside of them, it's pretty comparable to a fairly high end PC. I mean, not the best PC you can build, but it's up there. Yeah. I mean, think about what those have to be in. They've got to be in a tower with tons of fans and cooling. And the fact that they've even been able to fit it into something that size and manage the heat is you know, kind of impressive itself. So, but yeah, I think that just generally the, the PlayStation will probably be better eye candy. Steve. I'd have to agree. There's ain't nothing special about the Xbox. A 360 was cool, but, um, that's about it. I mean, it, the, the same Xbox one I have upstairs looks really close to the, the, the first Xbox that came out minus the, the texture on top and, uh, what they're coming out with. You can't really, go too much, you know, below that. I mean, you got a lot of room to improve. So I think anything Sony comes out with, unless they go hold my beer, we'll make something uglier. Uh, then I, I think, I think whatever Sony comes out with is going to be uh, better in any case. I think Xbox is going to come out with a sticker kit with theirs. So you can put stickers all over it. Kind of like I want hello kitty on mine. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm in total agreement because I, too, um, I think that Sony is going to come out with a more appealing form factor. But having said that, though, I do like the simplicity of the Xbox Series X. I think that it is cool in the sense that, you know, like you said, it it looks like a block. It's a big block. I like the vent on top of the glowing green coming out of it. There, There is something to be said about the simplicity of it. But overall, I think that Sony is probably going to, um, have a system that contrasts that. And it's probably going to be a bit more, um, I don't know if flamboyant is the right word, but I think it's definitely going to have a bit more of a a showmanship to it. Next question, which UI dashboard will be better? Nick. I'm going to go Xbox. I've, I've mean, and again, I mean, this is personal bias. I've never liked PlayStation's dashboard. I've always found it to be kind of clunky, whether it was the PS3, the PS4, or the PSP, the handheld. Um, can you use it? Is it doable? Can you figure it out? Yeah, but it, it it's a little bit clunky. That being said, though, I, I do feel like the Xbox reached its peak with Dashboard, with the Xbox uh, 360 when they had the, the, the little fin system. Do you remember that? I don't remember. They had a term for it, but I don't remember what they called it anymore. 
Yeah, but it was I, the way I know it launched originally. And you had the different tabs and you just clicked on the tabs and that had your different stuff on it. And it was like super clean, super easy, really. I mean, anybody could figure out how to navigate that thing in like 30 seconds. And uh, I, I think that was kind of the best one I've ever seen. But even at this point, I still feel like the the um, Xbox dashboard is the easier. You know, there's less jumping in and out of menus and things like that. You, you tend to have to go click over to this on PlayStation and then jump into this menu and then jump out of that thing and jump into this. And I just feel like the Xbox is, generally speaking, a more streamlined system. Yeah. Steve? I'd have to agree. I think there's nothing really special about the PlayStation dashboard and uh, not even in recent memory with the, with the previous systems. It just doesn't... I mean, well, okay. So that being said, I think we might be surprised by what Sony comes out with because I, I think it's no secret that uh, Microsoft has a just a superior dashboard in comparison. So I think we might be surprised at what Sony brings, but I'm going to default to Microsoft based on my, my experience with both systems. Um, what I will say also, though, is I'm, I'm predicting that Microsoft will have a, um, a REST function like Sony did because something one, one of the features I love about the PlayStation is if I'm playing whatever game, I, and I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I, I need to go to work. I need to go to bed. I need to, you know, go to shopping, whatever. I can just go in there and I can put the, I can put the, the system in rest mode and I can come back in, power up the system, uh, sign into my profile and I'm totally back into the game. I don't have to really wait for the thing to boot up and then go through a menu to say, yes, I want to play that game. Wait for that game to load up, hit continue and then go back into the game. I mean, Sony, Sony with that one feature, uh, I would I would hope Microsoft brings over to their to their uh, to their dashboard. Well, I have good news. That's for you. actually they have. <gasps> oh, really? <gasps> yeah, Phil, Phil Spencer's already actually said that's one of the features it's going to have is just basically instant put down and pick up. Walk nice. away, do something else, jump right exactly back to where you were in the game you were playing. So you're saying my predictions, right? Your prediction uh, is right. <laughs> you are like our own Mrs. Cleo. Oh, man. Come now for your free reading. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to get uh, predictions? Call Steve. Exactly. Yes. Taro? Well, anybody? Taro? I do think that, that you bring up a, a really great point, though, just because when it comes to the PlayStation 4's dashboard, I really... Um, I find it clunky. Uh, I I can figure out like kind of where to go and that sort of thing. But the saving grace of it is like you just what you said, Steve. And it's just the ability to be able to immediately jump right back into where I left off with any given game. And so it's, it's exciting to hear that Microsoft is going to adopt that into theirs. For me, I think, I think that Microsoft is going to be able to hold on to the, um, the crown as it applies to the UI dashboard, just because they've, they've been doing for the most part, I will say um, a, a, just, a, just a bang up job with their approach to, to how the, the dashboard flows, the, how things are accessed. I do think that there are certain mistakes that have been made. Like their most recent update, I don't even call it an update. I, I don't know what is going on, but they did away with the bumper functionality where like you could just kind of horizontally s slide back and forth between like your homepage, the community page, the store, so on and so forth. Now it's like it, it's, it's going up and down, which I don't like at all. I think it's, it looks ugly. Um, it's, it's very bizarre how they, they go through these phases of 
where they have like, like these really novel ideas. And then all of a sudden someone who, if I had to guess, I would say it's probably a higher up who's moonlighting as like a UI UX designer or an art director and are shoving down and forcing their ideas to be implemented in when the rest of the UI team is like shaking their heads and going, Oh my gosh, that's what I think is happening when it comes to stuff like that. Does it ever feel uh, like Nick. you're being beta tested? <laughs> I think More sometimes as I'm much as they change it. Yeah. As much as they change the dashboard all the time, it, it, it kind of feels like we're being beta tested for them settling upon the perfect dashboard. I know that we've talked a little bit about this already, so this will probably be a pretty short uh, response, but um, if you had to predict which controller will be better, Nick. <laughs> Hands down, the Xbox. I mean, the thing that the Xbox is going for it right now anyway is, I mean, they're already ahead of the game with their custom controller. PlayStation's just now getting around to that with the Xbox Elite. I've owned several. That's the one thing I will say. The one downside is, is that the, uh, the structural integrity of said Elite controller has not been the best considering what it costs. And that's been disappointing. But the fact that you're going to be able to take every controller you've got right now, your current headset, and plug into the new system and use them is a feather in its cap. I've seen the new controller. I like some of the designs that they're doing with that, with the uh, the textured um, bumper and trigger um, uh, buttons and whatnot. And I think that's a nice touch because it just means it's a little bit more tactile. Sits in your hand, less likely to get dropped. But I mean, controller preference is a very personal thing. Like I said, for me, I have a big hand. And honestly, if I were designing a controller, I would even make the Xbox controller bigger than it is. Um, but I have a huge hand. And so my hands cramp yeah. up after a while. Uh, and so that's been my problem with the PlayStation for the longest time is that that thing, I feel like, I feel like a bear riding a tricycle whenever I, whenever I grab that thing, it's just like this little tiny thing in my hand. I'm like, if I squeeze this too hard, I'm going to crush it. (laughs) Like seriously. Yeah. Look, I'm playing games with a porcelain doll. Neat. But, um, for me, I just, (laughs) I really think that the, the Xbox controller is a fantastic controller. Ergonomically speaking, it feels great. It fits a lot of different size hands pretty well. Um, and you, you really can't go wrong with just the functionality and optimization you have with an Xbox Elite controller in particular, even though that is not what it's going to launch with, but it's available. Steve? I'd have to agree. Wholeheartedly, wouldn't change a thing. Russ, go ahead. So this one was hard for me to make a prediction on just because um, – on the one hand, I agree with you guys. I think that Microsoft has done a stellar job for multiple generations now with their controllers in terms of the the um, ergonomics of it. It feels wonderful in my hands. I love the triggers, the feathering ability. Um, there, there's, there is a, a lot to like about it. However, with the PlayStation, the PS4 controller has introduced like certain things that I think are very novel. One of which is when they had a, um, they, they put a speaker in the controller itself and I've played yeah. um, a handful of titles um, that, that incorporate this feature into it. It really does add another layer of immersion while I'm playing the game. It, it, it seems to all of a sudden have the game um, leap out from the screen itself that I'm looking at. And suddenly it it becomes more of my living world. 
and it's a very like simple thing, but um, it's very effective. And the other thing too is is the I can't remember what they call it. I, I'm it's, it's so funny. I own a PS4 and I can't remember what they call. It, but there's like this pad that's like on like it's like it's in, it's in the middle of the controller itself, and um, it's some kind of touchpad that you can. You know, you can run your hand across, you can do things, you know, almost like, like a mouse pad, if you will, or you can click into it. And I think that that has also been um, a really welcoming feature with that controller. I don't know if Microsoft is, I, I don't think um, that they are necessarily planning on having either one of those features. Do you know anything about that, Nick? Uh, I don't believe that they're having any of that. There was some new feature they were going to put on the controller it's an additional button. I think it has to do with media stuff, like being able to capture something and immediately send it to like your Facebook or Twitter or something like that. Um, for like, yeah, yeah, like screen captures and video. But I think that's the only innovation you're seeing going forward. And, you know, I did briefly have a PlayStation. I had to sell mine at one point, um, just cause of financial reasons. And, uh, I will say that that aspect that the trackpad and the speaker, I did like a lot when I was playing horizon zero dawn, um, I thought that that was pretty slick because that game took advantage of the speaker. So like when you would yeah. fire arrows, you would hear the shoof come out of the speaker, you know, of the arrow flying through right. the air. And, and that was a pretty cool, a cool feature. And I, yeah, I would say that you're right. Generally speaking, as far as like pushing the medium forward, PlayStation has definitely been more experimental in their controller designs as far as the different functions that they put on them. And like I said, it's a good controller for probably majority of people. Um, for me, it's pure form factor. Other than that, it's a fantastic controller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're sturdy. So I, I, those I, things can take a beating. Yeah, they're very sturdy. And I, I just, I think that, that that will probably continue into the next gen where I think Sony will continue to iterate on different types of um, technologies and, and, and push the innovation when it comes to the controller. But it's it's funny to me how, um, I don't know, they they really have no interest in updating the form factor of their controller. I, I would think that they could at least do something to make it a bit more comfortable to, to use and that sort of thing. And uh, they, they would definitely take it away completely from Microsoft from that standpoint. But my understanding yeah, is that they're probably going to maintain more or less the same design as what we see with the PS4. Uh, when it comes to, let's see. So I have one more on here and then I'll, I'll just open it up to everybody. If you guys um, have additional predictions, but, uh, who will win the next gen console war? Nicholas. Well, whenever we get to this sort of thing, I, I definitely, whenever I talk to anybody about this sort of thing, I like to preface it with, you know, a little bit of old man reasoning, I guess you could say, uh, you go anywhere on the internet and you're going to see fanboy Xbox fanboy Sony going at it just, you know, it gets ugly. It gets really ugly. Here's the fact of the matter. Buy what you want. You know, get what you want. If, if you like PS5 and you like their first party lineup and you like their controller, you just like the way they do things, get a PS5. If you're an Xbox guy, you love Halo, you like Microsoft, you like the, the controller like I do or, or whatever, then go ahead and get your Xbox. It's There's really no right or wrong answer in this. And the fact that sometimes people try to make it seem like there should be one, I think, uh, I'm just going to say, I think it's kind of childish at this point. You know, love what you love, do what you love. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That being said, because you're putting me on the spot, 
I'm going to say it's going to be PlayStation. And the reason I say that, again, goes back to what I said earlier. It's the Asian market and then particularly the Japanese market. They love the PlayStation. It is just an established brand for them over there as Ford or Chevrolet is here for us with cars. You know, it's just kind of it's like Nintendo. I mean, they're just they're they're the originators. Those are like the two first and best game systems along with Sega until it died out, but they're the only ones that are left. So I'll just go with them that uh, have really pushed video gaming forward. And they're just, they're always going to have a very strong handhold in there. And culturally gaming is, is very much a part of their culture over there as well, whether it's the mobile market or these consoles. So I think, I think that that aspect alone is going to give them the upper hand. And there's plenty of people in other markets, both European and American that love the Sony and you're going to have a lot of people that adopt both. And so that's going to skew things. I do think though, that you're going to see Xbox do much better in this generation than it did in the last one. It's not going to be so far behind the PlayStation as it has been. And I think that that they owe a lot of that to, the decisions they've made and having Phil Spencer at the helm to make smart decisions with things like backwards compatibility, the ability to play games, both PC and Xbox cross compatibility with Nintendo and PC. And sometimes I guess supposedly Sony starting to get on board with that, but they've still been very slow to adopt, you know, that cross platform play. And I think that that's the real future of gaming because gaming is about bringing people together and it's about having a good time. And I mean, the perfect examples, the three of us right here, we're all three in different places. Steve's at his house and not far away from you, but he's not with you today. I'm here in Washington. Games bring people together. That's what our friendship was formed on initially when we were in seventh grade was talking about mm-hmm. Nintendo and Sega when we had our fanboy <laughs> chats about which was better with the super Nintendo and the Genesis. And, you know, uh, but I, I will get, I'll, I'll say that PlayStation gets to hang their hat again as the as the top dog simply because of what they've established over the years. But I see Microsoft uh, making a strong push forward, and both systems being fantastic for whichever one you decide to adopt, or if you're lucky enough to adopt both. Steve, well, I'd have to agree with that, but I but from a different point, I would say that. In the past E3s, I would say the last two or three E3s, um, we haven't seen a whole lot uh, come out on Microsoft's side that hasn't been available also on Sony's side, where uh, Microsoft will say, hey, you know, here's um, on our show, here's Cyberpunk. And then everybody goes, oh, wow, Microsoft, cool. And then they take a step back and go, but it's released on Sony as well. Uh, and so I would say from what I've seen the last few E3s, when and we've been... Even though we've had good games, there hasn't been a lot of just really cool original stuff. Uh, at least on Microsoft's side, I've bought more games on Microsoft than I have for PlayStation. But I would say that maybe PlayStation ekes out a win um, on the games. I think that that Sony's been holding a lot of like, their cards close, and they've been really secretive. And I think they're going to come out of the gate with a boom. And, um, you know, Microsoft, everything that they've showed us, at least they might be doing the same thing, but everything they've showed us, there's been like maybe one or two that go, you you look at it and go, oh, cool. Yeah, I'll play that. But nothing that really like blows you out of the water. I mean, I think the last game that blew me out of the water was Anthem. And then when that finally came out, it was, you know, the excitement was gone in in like maybe two months. Um, So everything else has been available for both systems pretty much. So I would have to put the uh, put the tally in, in Sony's bo- in Sony's area for that. 
I agree. I think that when it comes to the the overall next gen console wars, I think that Sony is really set up for brand awareness. I think their mind share is very healthy among their customers. And mm-hmm. I think that they have earned that. I think that when I look at the different types of first party um, companies that they have under their stable and the types, not only that, but the types of games that those first party um, studios have produced, whether it's God of War or Spider-Man, uh, The Last of Us, um, even Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, I think that that they are very poised to be able to continue with those series. And even with Spider-Man, that was by Insomniac Games, which used to be a third party studio and Sony snatched them up. Um, kind of as a, a response to Microsoft snatching up some of the other studios. And I think that was a very wise move on their behalf. And I think what we're going to see is we are going to see Horizon Zero Dawn Part 2. We're going to see, um, you know, The Last of Us Part 2, which, you know, coincidentally got delayed indefinitely, as, as we all know. But I also think that when it does come out, it will be probably perceived a bit more as more of a PS5 title since it's not going to be coming out Um during its original date. I think that, that there's probably a Spider-Man sequel in development, especially considering the fact that Sony owns that property of Spider-Man. You know, I think that God of War, you bet your dimes to dollars that there's probably another God of War sequel that's being made. I'm sure that there are also some other original IPs uh, that are going to be created as well. Having said that, I'm right with you, Nick. Um, I think that this time around, I think Phil Spencer is a bit of an ace in the hole for Microsoft in the sense that they have been looking for someone who is just like Phil Spencer. And I think that he has been doing a lot of groundwork in terms of um, steering the ship and course correcting. And I think that in terms of, of the, the different studios that they have, I think they have now like 15 first party studios now that are under the, the Microsoft umbrella. And that is a very notable thing. The The big question mark on everyone's minds, however, is what kind of games are they going to come out with? And I think that, that a good example of this is, for instance, um, you have, uh, the, I can't remember the name of the company now all of a sudden, but the, the company that made um, Hellblade, uh, Ninja Theory, there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, Ninja Theory came out with a very interesting title. I've played it myself. I haven't beat it yet, but it was very noteworthy. And it was interesting when they announced that, that Microsoft had acquired them. However, their their latest offering, which is Bleeding Edge, both, I don't know if you've played it, Nick, but Steve and I have tried it out. And quite honestly, neither one of us are, are very interested in, in playing that game long term. And so it begs the question, okay, well, Maybe that's just a one-off. Maybe that was like a pet project of the studio. Who knows? But I do think it is going to be interesting to see what types of products that these studios come out with because that's ultimately going to determine how these these consumers view the, the respective platforms. I do think that, like to, like to your point, I think that, that it's going to be a much more fierce battle because... Phil has been successful in removing a lot of the confusion, a lot of the throwaway wear. Um, and I think that he has created a very laser focused campaign this time around. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I don't think that it's going to be a foolproof situation. I think even with Halo Infinite, I'm, to be honest, I'm concerned. Be, just because when they showed the first reveal of that title at last year's E3, 
it was boring. I mean, you're watching some dude in some random spaceship and he's just kind of drifting around and it was very just not exciting. And then we see Master Chief and it's like, uh, this is not blowing any wind up my uh, proverbial skirt here, gentlemen. I need something a bit more. And I, and again, I think it's 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 hard because Bungie's not in charge of uh, Halo. And I think that, again, not to digress too far, but as I mentioned at the, the top of this program, I think that when you mess with the formula, you're not going to get the same types of results. And I think that that is what um, is kind of turning into a reckoning with regards to 343, is I think that, that as a custodian of the franchise, and them like like remastering games that Bungie had already created. I think that works out well. I think, however, them moving forward with the franchise has been troublesome. And I'm not sure what to think or make of that. But that's one of the things that I think is is really exciting and always just it's fun to talk about in groups like this is whenever the the next gen consoles are about to come out. Um, it, it's fun to be able to, to discuss and, and predict what exactly will happen and see like how close we get to the mark and, and that sort of thing. Um, did, did I miss anything? Do you guys have any other predictions you'd like to make? Nick, you first. I would say <laughs> predictions wise. No, <clears throat> not, not so much. Kind of more just piggybacking off of kind of what you were just talking about, you know, um, when it comes to like the, the messaging and stuff, I, th- I think that Phil Spencer, his, his big thing is he's like game, how you want to game and game who you want to game with. I think that's been a big part of Microsoft's vision going forward, you know, and I think that that's served them well. I think it'll continue to serve them well, but you are right. It a hundred percent comes down to the games and I couldn't agree with you more about Halo Infinite, you didn't get any idea watching that trailer of what was going on, what the next game was going to be about, why we should care about what's happening to that guy on the ship or what's about to happen with Master Chief. And um, it's funny that they've had such a hard time because 343 is primarily made up of Bungie vets who decided to stay and form that studio. But Um, Yeah, they have not really been able to necessarily capture the magic of the games that Bungie made, you know, in particular, you know, their last one, Halo Reach was my favorite. I thought that was a fantastic game and Mm -hmm. my favorite in the series. But first party titles, I want to get kind of just touch on that real quick. First party titles, part of what makes them good is the fact that, yeah, it is isolated to your one console, and so it's kind of like your little candy you get with all the third-party stuff. And so that's the one half. But the other half is brand, right? So when you think about Microsoft at this point, and you think about what's a Microsoft's brand, who are their mascots, right? You've got Master Chief, and you've got basically some of the folks from um, Gears of War, and that's about where it ends. They got two mascots. Then go look at Nintendo. Yep. Go look at Nintendo. How many mascots does Nintendo have? Go turn on Smash Brothers if you want to get a good idea of how many mascots they have that everybody knows of. Key figures that you say Samus, everybody knows who that is. You say Link, everybody knows who that is. Mario, Luigi, Princess, Peach, Toad, everybody knows who that is. It's just they've got tons of them. And, and PlayStation's kind of becoming the same way too because they've, they've got Kratos. They've got um, 
Crash. Alloy, Alloy now. They've got Crash. Yeah, I mean, they've got all these different people that you like. You're like, oh, yeah, you say that immediately. Oh, yeah, that's Sony. Where's Microsoft's? They need to develop that kind of first-person title. And Master Chief and various characters from Gears of War aren't enough. And I think that that's, that's where you see. Because that's when you think of Microsoft, you think of those two titles. But that's all you think of. And they really need to do something about that. Honestly, if they ever want to get really truly in the ballpark with PlayStation, and to a lesser degree Nintendo... Because that's a totally different. Nintendo's doing their own thing, and they've always done their own thing, and they do it very well. So I don't. That's hard to compare there. But if they want to get that kind of brand recognition, it's going to be through first party, party, pardon me, first party titles that they don't currently have. That's my personal closing thought on that. Uh-huh. Yeah, Steve. Well. Um... I would have to say I got a couple more predictions. Um, with the load times, I would say, you know, and everything that I've seen so far with the load times has been on games that are like graphic processor heavy for current generation systems now. And they're saying that it's going to be a lot faster. And I hope it is. And I think it will be. But I don't think it's going to be to the level that I think that they say it will. Because if you, let's say, let, let, let's say you take your car and you say, you, okay, I'm going to swap the engine out with like a, a Corvette engine. So I go from a three liter to a five liter or whatever is in there. And then so, but the car in, in itself stays the same, all, everything else, the weight, everything. The car is going to fly. But if you say, okay, we're going to swap the engine out, but we're going to put a trailer behind you. And the trailer is going to carry a lot of good stuff, but you're now towing a trailer and you got a bigger engine. Well, yeah, you might still go faster, but I mean, you're not going to go literally as fast as if you didn't have the trailer. And I think that might be the case because these games are going to be very graphic hungry and uh, processing hungry. And you're going to need a bigger processor and a bigger graphics chip and a bigger everything, a lot more memory to, 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 to push what they want to push. But that's going to cost something. And I don't think that the, the backwards compatible games, I think they will load faster and they've proven that they have, but we haven't seen much um, on the next gen titles of how quick or how slow they're going to load in comparison. So um, I think the, the jury's a little bit out, but I don't think it's going to be as fast as they, they say it, it will be. Um, I would predict, though, that with a lot of the backwards compatibility going back and forth, that you might see uh, in certain games more customizable features. Like maybe you want a game running at 60 frames a second, but you're willing to sacrifice uh, you know, the, the, the texture count or um, you know some lighting effects or something like that to get a, a higher frame rate. So there might be some more you know, customizable stuff in games maybe that are backwards compatible or that maybe are next gen. Um, and likely, I would say that perhaps, you know, because one thing that's a, that's kind of been a, a, annoying to me is you, you buy a system and then they, they come out and they say, oh, you have the first system, but hey, guess what? You're not getting the full effect until you get the next system. So how about you hand us over another 500 bucks? Oh, wait, you know that system? Okay, it's been a couple years that we've bought out a new system. So if you're still playing on the first system, well, you're not having that the experience of everybody else who's going to get the most advanced system. And oh, oh, wait, you know, I just got tired of that. You're like you're feeding, you're 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 swapping out systems really, really fast. And I would say this is a bit of a stretch, but I would say they're going to leave the the door open to swap out components within the system itself. Maybe it's just a, an attachment to a like a USB type deal or maybe they they made it um something where you just you you can you can swap something out like PC style to make that 
um, to make that jump to get a little bit better graphics card or a little bit more memory or you know maybe a faster processor. Um, who knows? I mean, people can do it in a PC, and I think the PC crowd says, "Hey, you know, any kind of um, you know new console system that that comes out." All I have to do is, you know, take apart my the the covers of my PC and swap out a couple of components, and I'm already got a faster PC, and I didn't have to go out and buy everything else brand spanking new. So, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch for the console area, but I think that 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 might be on the table. Um, I think the marketing campaign for Sony's not going to change that much, uh, like it has in the past. I think they'll probably keep uh, they'll they'll trickle out systems rather than Microsoft will flood it in the market. They'll say. You know who wants one? We're gonna make as many as we can. We'll we'll flood the market. I think Sony will say, okay, you know this area you're gonna have five. This area you're gonna have three, and then everyone, all the Sony boys are gonna be you know salivating at the at the mouth <laughs> to try and get a system which they won't get um, probably until Christmas. And um, I would say along with the games, I would say that the classic remakes are are gonna continue. I think we're gonna see a lot more of that happening. Uh, maybe if it's with you know older games like Link or with um, uh, Metal Gear or something. I'm, I think we're going to see a lot more of, the, of the, some of the games that we've treasured. Castlevania, maybe Castlevania is way mm. due for a, a remake. That would be s- such an experience to play on next gen. I mean, even if they do um, Lords of Shadow, I mean, oh my goodness, I close my, I'm going to quarantine, I'm going to self like <laughs> quarantine myself. <laughs> like, okay, no one talked to me. No one touched me. I'm going to play this game from start to finish. And I'm not, I might not even eat either. Cause that's how unfocused I'm going to be. Who knows? <laughs> but I think we're going to see a lot more of that too. But anyhow, those are my closing thoughts. Oh, Castlevania. Speaking my language. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So good. Well, I definitely want to thank our big baby, of a moose, Nicholas, for joining us. And maybe we can convince him to come back on on a more regular basis, especially given the fact that we're all kind of stuck indoors as of late. But uh, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, spelled J-O-Y-G. A-S-M and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. Last but not least, search Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will see you all next week.